What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Before we get any further into today's episode, I would like you to go over to iTunes or wherever you get this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It helps the show to grow up on the charts as well as continue to tell the SID story. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Infocast and sign up for our newsletter at sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. Now, let's get into today's conversation. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, don't mind the fan noise or anything you hear uh, coming from outside my window. It's a little hot. I'm just trying to get things done real quick before this uh, storm rolls in. So, um, yeah, nothing a whole lot going on as far as uh, the show is concerned. We're going to still keep chucking along. Um, if I miss a week, don't worry because um, I've seen some of the analytics. I understand that some of you are at home. I understand some of you don't have a commute to do. I know you got families to worry about, other things to run. Um, you're not listening to the podcast as much that's fine and if this is months later uh after the fact and we're finally at work again um we're, we're happy to have you and uh gosh hi to the future i guess at this point for some of you so uh yeah i uh if you didn't hear from me i, I just joined the Cosida fitness challenge if you haven't heard from me in a little while um as far as me emailing you back or anything like that it's because i had a stomach bug I had a stomach virus that was not very fun um, over the weekend, and even kind of carried into the earlier part of the week, um, just with the dehydration, the fatigue, and everything. It just didn't didn't feel good for David. Um, second order of business I want to talk about, and I would I've never done this. I, I'm not in the history of this three and a half years of, of me doing this show. Not even last spring, um, not even any time before that. Uh, I'm on the market. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for a job, um, and I hate doing this, but uh, but I understand that you know desperate times call for desperate measures at this point. So um, I've applied to a couple, uh, been talking to some people uh, about their opportunities. But um, if you have something that you think would be a good fit for me, or you want to know any more information about me, uh, what you can do is you can reach out to me over on Twitter. Uh, D Gibson Digital. You can email the show. That information's in the uh, in the intro. Intro, I guess, is what it's, the show's intro, and uh, hit me up that way. Um, moving on to today's episode, uh, we have a repeat guest for those of you that don't know. Sean Medeiros was on the show back at episode 64, so he's actually 91 episodes after the fact. That was back in, I think, I talked to him like January of 2018, I think, and then in between. Now and then, I mean, we've obviously had all that's going on here, and I think we've had one of the best discussions we've had in the past couple of weeks about um, working from home and uh, just the response that we've had. That I really enjoyed this episode because not only because Sean and I know each other very well, but also because um, we have a discussion as opposed to a Q&A, which is something different. And, um, again, we'll, we'll obviously kind of go through what's been going on and how he's been catching up and everything like that. In between, in between 28, I think it was 2019, back in Orlando, he was named the uh, Rising Star Award winner, one of the co-award winners uh, last year. Uh, we'll talk about that, obviously. We'll talk about his time with the Boston Globe, um, his job search, all, all sorts of stuff today, guys. I know this one's a little bit longer. Um, I'm going to try and uh, cut out this intro a little bit so that you guys can get can get done. Um with this and get moving on with your day and i've got to cut this short because i think uh, tornado sirens are about to go off so uh we will kick off episode 155 of sid cast with sean Medeiros of the endicott goals and his very f- and his sport background growing up right here on sid cast Yeah, so I think I started off in uh, sports broadcasting at first. It kind of shifted over to uh, journalism and, uh, you know, really started to understand that making it into the sports broadcasting world was going to be really difficult and probably not a steady paycheck. Um, So switched over to journalism, ended up figuring out probably my senior year of undergrad that Sports Info was a, a, 
a profession, really. We had worked with um, Mike Holbrook over at Bridgewater State on the broadcasting side a lot, but we never really understood what he did at the time. Uh, one of my really close friends, Steve Miller, who was uh, the SID at Worcester State, uh, eventually he worked with Mike a, a lot over his collegiate career. He kind of you know shifted me into looking into that as a profession. Luckily landed the GA position at Castleton State College, now university with Jeff Weld, who um, very highly respected in the profession while he was in it. Um, and then it kind of just took off running from there, which was awesome. And I haven't looked back and it's been great. Uh, worked at Stonehill and Wheaton and now Endicott and, you know, have loved every minute of it. I think I vaguely remember in, in you and I's conversation two years ago, uh, for <laughs> those that don't know, um, you worked with the Boston Globe a little bit too and, and different kind of media entities. I mean, what, while you were in the journalism, sport broadcasting stuff, I mean, what was your experience like with all that? It was a lot of fun. I eventually, after a, a failed first article with the Globe, uh, where I mentioned the wrong goalkeeper Literally, or the goalie, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was a lot of fun. Ended up basically becoming like the beat writer for track and field and cross country for the Globe. Um, you know, did some freelance on the side uh, before the Castleton GA position happened as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it kind of gave me a, a real look into to that side of the business and how that worked. And it wasn't necessarily something that I thoroughly enjoyed. I didn't really enjoy the the part of showing up randomly to games and not building rapport with uh, coaches, because at least for the globe, like you were always assigned something completely unfamiliar at the time. Um, and when I was actually coaching high school track and field and cross country, I would coach as an assistant coach with my team. And then after the race and like coaching and talking to our student athletes, I would be interviewing coaches from other teams and things like that. And it's, you always have to break that uncomfortable barrier at first of like, how do you segue that? Hey, I'm from the globe, blah, blah, blah. It's usually easier to, to break into the conversation when you're with the globe, which is nice. Um, but when I did the, the local newspapers as a freelance person, uh, you know, leaving those voicemails on, on the phone and, and trying to get in contact with athletes, it always felt uncomfortable for me. I think, with the sports info side, you get to really develop relationships with student athletes and coaches. And it gets to a point where the student athletes are just popping in your office, you know, unannounced and they come in and chat with you. And those are some of the best things about the job that I really enjoy, which I don't think I ever would have been able to, you know, have had happen in a, as a journalist. So that's been huge um, from the journalism side to the SID side. Um, you know, covering games was great and trying to pitch stories and, um, you know, cover bigger high school events, like covering track high school nationals at the Reggie Lewis Center was was a really fun experience for me. And uh, you get to see a lot of athletes on, on both the boys and girls side who were just tremendous in so many aspects of the sport. That part was cool. Um, but I like the the day to day of the sports info side more than the the journalism side where you're kind of jumping all over the place. It's more steady in your thought process and in the in the daily activities as well. Yeah, I completely agree with you because when you as you were talking, I was kind of thinking back to my own little journalism days that I had here in town, and and we were talking off air a little bit. Like I'm in rural Southern Indiana. No media gets here. We're between Cincinnati and Louisville. Like nobody's going to drive to tiny corn country um, for high school sports that quite frankly, aren't very good here. Um, but I, I always got that feeling whenever I showed up with a camera, everybody's like, Oh my God, who's this with a camera? And it was uncomfortable. Yeah. It was really so uncomfortable. Yeah. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> but at the same time, it was kind of like the more and more I think about it, it was um, kind of a good, good thing for me. And I'm sure that maybe some people don't realize that, uh, walking into some place and, and getting the looks and then, you know, building the rapport with coaches and everything. But I totally get the, the hopping around stuff. I mean, that was, you just don't kind of like what you said, like, you know, the names and things like that, but you don't get to have that connection like you do at sports info. Mm, absolutely. It's, it's totally different ball game. Yeah. I, it was, I think journalism does translate well to some stuff with, for SAD work, especially with what you do at the globe. I mean, God, you were in a, a huge media market uh, doing, doing things like that. So what were some other things when you finally did make the transition that um, you either found challenging to learn or maybe even weren't expecting to learn when you broke into the profession? Well, I think the obvious one is 
actually being the statistician. I think that's a, that's an easy step one where you're kind of not really doing that so much. Uh, I know on the football side, you'd have to keep your own hand stats, um, which sometimes I, I question the reliability of those hand stats and when people are covering football beats in general. Um, so that was step one. Um, I think a positive of the journalism side and, and learning how to sort of navigate those conversations where you don't know people allows it as an easier bridge to get to know your coaches right off the bat, especially starting at a new school or starting in your first gig. Um, I relied on that uh, more than I, you know, maybe even recalled up until maybe this conversation right now, actually. Um, so, so that, that part was, you know, the more I think about it now as we're talking about it like that, you know, that was kind of a huge bonus to have that in the back pocket to be able to bridge those conversations. I'm thinking back to, to my Stonehill days at first, the, the wave of social media starting was sort of in its very infant stages. Um, so that was curious to try and navigate what should we do? What shouldn't we do? How much importance? I think you probably can look at schools and see who weighed a lot of importance on it at the beginning and who didn't. Uh, looking back on that, I think there are some angles there that, um, you know, I wonder if we could have done more, done less or whatever. Um, and then the other thing that was interesting to me, at least in the beginning, was balancing that um, the promotion of like the, the, the student part versus the athlete part and, and how to go throughout that. I think that's one thing if, you know, maybe some people are listening and to the to the podcast and don't know me, that's one thing that I'm very vocal on is is kind of really talking about the student athlete experience as a whole. Um, so I feel like over time that's developed with me from Stonehill to Endicott now. Um, but if, I didn't really know what to do with that when I first started at Stonehill. Was that just academic award releases? And to be frank, it probably was at that point. Um, but, you know, when you're first starting, you get to develop your own sort of philosophy on a lot of things. I look back to Stonehill and, and look at what they did, what they didn't do, what I wanted to do from going as an assistant to Wheaton as a, as a head for the uh, first time in my you know, career path, um, tried to incorporate that more. Um, so that, that was, you know, some of the challenges, uh, for me. And then obviously, like I said, with the stats in the back, like I didn't know everything about every sport, obviously that's, that's not going to happen right off the bat. Like lacrosse was a huge, uh, learning curve for me. I remember, uh, putting the kickoff on the wrong side of football one game and we had to, (laughs) we had to hand stat for two quarters and we got it up and running at halftime. Um, so you learn those things. Uh, and then I think over the course of time, as you get further along and have more of an understanding of the profession is starting to, to learn where you can be more valued or where you can be more important or where you can look at the scope of what you're doing beyond the nuts and bolts. Uh, that's one thing that I don't think, you know, the younger SIDs get a chance to really have those conversations more or less in some ways because you're kind of looking at like, okay, I need to understand how to do X, Y, Z, but that's, that's more of a philosophical type thing. But I think, you know, more kudos to the professionals out there that are teaching that along with, you know, the nuts and bolts of how to open a file, save a file, which can be daunting in its own right. Um, especially now that I've noticed, I don't know if you've come across this, but uh, when we introduced NCAA live stats to, some of our, our work study students, they were like, yeah, this is like a video game. This is super easy. And then for, oh, yeah. f- for, for fun, <laughs> we gave them stack crew afterward and they had no idea what was going on. Um, so the parallels are, are crazy to look at like how a, a junior or senior looks at NCAA, NCAA live stats and they're like, this is awesome. Like, you know, volleyball or soccer or whatever. And then you, you give them the opposite and flip them stack crew on there and they have no idea how to control it or work it. Um, that's even happened with my GA a little bit where he's, you know, adapted more to the, the NCAA live stat side, even in the training side, we haven't used it all throughout the year. Um, but it's curious to see how those, you know, those students in their minds kind of see one platform to the other. So no, that was sort of a long winded answer, but I think it covered a good amount. Yeah. I, I think I I'll tell you this. I'll tell everybody right now. I've never done basketball stack crew. I've only done really? NCAA live stats. Yeah. Okay. Um, we were a test school because we were hosting the uh, elite eight in division two. So I, I, that was my kind of like first experience. Um, I, I've had the benefit of having stat crew for like volleyball and literally everything else. But uh, I did one game of that volleyball 
um, probably back in August, I think it was like Oregon State and somebody. Okay. Like Oklahoma, like here here at Bloomington for some reason. I don't know why I hate we had that game. I think it was like an invite. Um, so much easier. I can tell <laughs> that's like, because we were doing a little itty-bitty training session kind of like what you guys do, and I'm sure what everybody does. Um, just having the tutorial video up and everything, and we had an undergrad in there, and I volunteered this year because I wasn't specifically Sports Info, as you know. Um, I volunteered. I was like, hey, I'll do this too. Uh and the, the the undergrad who had never done it before like picked it right up. Yeah, it, it, it was. They're just their brains are just wired to do that stuff. I feel like it's different. I feel like I'm on the in between. Like I I love basketball stat crew, and I never would want to give it up. But I did enjoy the interface of NCAA live stats. I did not understand um, how you skip the initial touch off of like a continue in NCAA live stats. So I like the, the part of stat crew volleyball where you like actually type every touch, no matter if it counts for a stat or not. Um, so I actually struggled with that. My students actually were better at inputting volleyball than I was on NCAA live stats by like leaps and bounds. It was crazy how much better they were. And that's yeah. like two tries and they like picked it up um, where I was routinely stuck in the whole, like, okay, I need to type every touch. So I would, screw everything up once in a while which was always good but <laughs> what what was that kind of adjustment like for you because for me like it takes me a minute I, I mean I'll stew I'm like okay I should be good at this but holy hell these people are way better at it than I am like how does that kind of how does that sit well with you I mean how do you even let go of that because yeah they're they're good at it I mean that's good because now you got to train the next generation they're going to train the next and then the, so on yeah. and so forth so I like to do volleyball stats on my own. So sort of like, um, okay, I'm going to go back to what I'm used to sort of thing and just kind of gave up on it and said, you know, we don't like, I don't need to do this at the given moment right now and do NCAA live stats. The whole goal was to train them for next year um, and throughout, you know, women's and men's volleyball season to get them prepped. Cause we have a lot of work study students that have been with us for a while and they're, they're ready to come back and we kind of phase them through roles where they kind of move up, you know, every year in certain responsibilities mm -hmm. as best as we can. Um, so it was, I think it was funny for them to see me frustrated <laughs> more than anything. Um, cause I don't normally get frustrated too easily. Um, so that was kind of interesting cause we have a good back and forth. Like our work study students are, are like, sort of like a little family to us. Like we were all emailing each other earlier this week. Um, Cause obviously they're going through the same thing of not being in classes and, and that sort of thing. So we're all kind of checking up on each other. Um, so I think it was kind of nice to see them almost like see me a little bit human, if you will, and sort mm -hmm. of like seeing me a little frustrated and seeing me like not understand the concept. Cause they, they'll get frustrated if they don't get something and you try and talk them through it. So it was kind of nice to have that difference. Um, so for volleyball stats, I wasn't too worried about using it for this year. I think our goal is to use it throughout women's and men's volleyball next year, um, you know, depending on what all happens here. But um, yeah, I, I, I think we use this year more as a test than anything else. And uh, we'll try and move forward with all the platforms uh, next year and, and see how that goes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm interested to see where all this goes. I know they're, they're adding some programs next year, or I yeah. guess this coming here if this coming year happens i guess is the conversation now but um yeah be be kind of exciting to see i'm especially excited to see how they do certain things like how certain inputs are going to go like especially in like baseball and softball like are we just going to have to touch the field is there going to be like quadrants we have to click like soccer <laughs> like uh, i don't know i'm kind of excited but um you talk about the the student athlete experience, and this is something that this always happens, Sean. Every time I have somebody back on, they they say something and it like clicks with me, and I remember what we were talking about two years weird ago. How the, it's weird how the brain works, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I repress a lot, apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, you, we talk about the student athlete experience a little bit. I remember that you uh, specifically were talking about kind of going in depth and showcasing some of the internships that they had. I mean, this is especially now that people are home, this is a great time of year to start doing some of those things, like asking those students, what are you interested in? I can remember back when I was at USI, there was a volleyball player who was interested in criminal justice. And uh, she would always go on cop ride-alongs, you know? And it was just crazy that this girl's just on the, on, on the volleyball court 
And then Monday morning, she's got to go to her internship and she's going to, you know, bust bad guys. It's always interesting, things like that. So how do you go about doing that? Can you expand upon that a little bit? So in our, in our form, it's, it's sort of unique, uh, our internship model in general. So it's required that all students take three internships. I believe nursing is slightly different because they have to do clinicals and hours and things like that. Um, but for criminal justice majors, for example, like they're always on ride alongs, like one of our best uh, DNs that's ever played in our program's history, Craig Anderson, like he would do that a lot. And, uh, and he had a crazy career. He was athletically gifted and he was an academic co-side all American, like just a unbelievable student athlete. Um, so we have sort of the benefit of having the internship program and the internship coordinators that we can lean on to get some of that data. So usually every semester and then, uh, every session, we'll get just a master list in Excel of students. And then what we can do uh, through Excel is you can basically plug a match on the student ID. Uh, so we'll get the student IDs from our compliance director and women's volleyball coach. Um, Tim Byram does a lot at our school. Um, he's been there forever and, you know, he's, he's really good coach too, but uh, he's helped us out a lot with that. And then Rob Pilardi, who used to be over in athletics, um, he was the one who like really spearheaded to show us how to like quickly access that data. And, and he's, he had already built a good amount of those relationships with the internship office. So we just kind of expanded on it a lot more um, than maybe it was previously done before I got there. Cause we kind of, you know, really wanted to focus on that more once I got there, but um, we'll, we'll get those Excel lists. We'll also build into Presto's website on the, the, the student athlete bio form, like what internships have you done? What are you looking to do? Um, and we kind of, you know, access a lot of data points off of those two to three areas. And then we'll, we'll pretty much go in and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of segment things out. So every fall we generally do uh, study abroad Q and A's, and then we'll do like an internship piece. I think the first two years when I was at Endicott, we did like just a base article on the fall of like these, this is a list, like here's all of the internships that our student athletes have done. And then off of those lists, we'll target, you know, maybe 10 to 15 student athletes that we want to cover in some capacity. So do we do it social? Do we do it Q&A? Do we do a, a written press release? Uh, we've we've segmented some of them we've held. Uh, we'll do, um, it's like a corny like name, but it's a little alliteration, but we'll call it Goals Graduate. Um, and we'll kind of hold some student athletes to do more bigger features there. Um, depending on the, the depth of the feature, we might pitch it for our uh, Soundings Magazine, which is sort of like that that, um, you know, fall semester, spring semester, like big magazine for the alumni population to read. Um, so we try and take that data as much as we can and use it in a, in a variety of areas. Um, in other areas we've done it, like we'll have accepted students day uh, in another week or so. Uh, unfortunately, it'll be virtual online for everybody. But generally, when we would have it on campus, we would kind of repurpose some of those stories or try and feature new stories. Uh, around that time, just so students could see what was going on. We'll also target it for, you know, like open house days or or things like that. So we kind of use those those data points in a variety of, of ways. Like, like I said, some will be quick hitters, some will be more longer features, but we'll plan out the year based on a good amount of that content. Um, and the internship coordinators are great. Like I said, they build those lists pretty quickly. Um, and the student athletes, I think, you know, I think a lot of them would love, you know, in my experience, at least they, they love talking more about their academic side than their athletic side. I think, uh, I think, you know, some athletes, they're not going to want to feel like cocky or be like, you know, have bravado about how good they are as an athlete. And if you can feature them in some other light, I think it's huge. And then, you know, when you're able to do that, it speaks volumes to other people on campus and what you're doing. You're not just talking about stats and, and wins and losses and things like that. So it ends up, it ends up being huge in the long run. Um, but the main thing was, you know, building those relationships in the beginning and, and talking about what we want and how we want to go about it. We had all of that information ready for the people we were asking those requests for. Um, so they got to see sort of the vision and what we were doing before we did it. And I think that made it a lot easier to execute our long-term plan on it. And even now, because there you go, guys. Well, Firstly, we're generating content for you right here on the show. You can do this in podcast form. I'm sure you could do it in video form if you have to in the form of a Zoom call or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I think that 
if you find the right passionate type of athlete about what they're doing, about what they want to do. Cause there are some athletes, especially we had, we had a football player, a wide receiver, a notable wide receiver on our team who, if he wasn't practicing and he wasn't in the classroom, he was with Habitat for Humanity. And that's what like he'd love that's to awesome. do. And I was exactly like, but I knew that because I was with them every day in camp. Most people don't know that sort of thing. So like kind of what mm. we talked about a little bit earlier, um, building rapport with your student athletes a little bit, I think is also important too. Not, not only just going off of a list, but actually getting to know them. Right. Yeah. It's huge. It makes, it makes such a difference. Um, such a difference just in like, in so many areas, it doesn't even have to be like publicizing them. It's just that, you know, that, that maybe that good luck before the game or, or um, learning those type of things like about Habitat for Humanity for that student athlete. Um, and I think it just creates buy-in from the student athletes that you care about them and, and you're more, you know, intrigued about them beyond what they're doing on the court. Um, I don't know. I think that's the best part about the job. I don't know how you feel, but I, I just feel like, you know, like we've talked about, like, that's just, that's just fun to see that that growth in a in a person and maybe you have the slightest of smallest impacts with that in some version of it but it's pretty cool um to see um you know that sort of aspect of it i just think it in the long run it matters more than some of the stuff that we do yeah it goes i think that that's kind of cuz i've i've never I'll, I'll tell you this story i've never really connected with athletes up until maybe two years ago two and a half three years ago because i never got that chance um connected with my cross-country team a lot one because i was a cross-country guy i know exactly what they were going through um so i was at a indoor track meet here at indiana uh one of the many that we host for some ungodly known reason uh (laughs) and i was sitting there and usi was there and I, I was like all decked out, all cream and crimson. Like I had my dress pants on, my, my IU polo, and the guys are warming warm ups. I'm like, they're not going to remember me. As soon as they came around on the front stretch, they all waved up at me. That's and awesome. I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, I am like two hours away. <laughs> you still remember me? Like, that's incredible in order to, to have um, and share their stories and, and just know those guys is, like you said, kind of probably one of my favorite parts too. Um, so let's see. Uh, yeah. What, what else has been going on? What's been changing for you guys ever since we've, we've kind of like what we talked about off air, not being able to go outside legally. Um, how are you kind of running your day to day now? This is a question that we, we haven't really asked many people now. Um, what does this look like for you at all? Yeah. So that's a great question. Uh, first thing we did as a staff, um, you know, once everything settled down and, and everyone was was kind of safe and back home and, and felt situated, um, we created a, a Google Doc list of kind of the things we were looking to do week to week um, and the goals on that. We started coding some things, you know, based on like names and, and tasks so that it was easily readable for people. Um, and we've kind of kept a log of like what the responsibilities are, what we're doing day to day. We've included our field hockey coach, um, who's also the marketing and events coordinator at the school. Um, if you haven't picked up on, on the tone here yet, or the theme, all of our head coaches have secondary duties. Um, so, uh, coach Zapola, uh, awesome, awesome person in general. Um, one of the many reasons why I love working at Endicott, uh, is because of her among many other coaches. Um, she does a lot and, you know, we've brought her into sort of the SID staff. So she's been helping out a lot with like social content ideas. Um, our group chat, we talk pretty much daily about things that we have scheduled for the week. Um, you know, whose responsibilities are what. One of the main things we tackled right away as a staff is updating the website in a lot of areas. Um, they'll, I don't know in comparison to other websites, but we do have a lot of like admissions and school wide jargon and, um, literature or messaging on our, our website. So there are a lot of pages that are, are, are geared towards recruiting. So that was our first main goal is to get all of that updated. So we started adding virtual visit links to all the recruit me pages for the coaches. So like if you go to, um, I don't know, like baseball page on ecgulls.com and you click recruit me, it'll drop down and it's like a personal message from coach Haley, our baseball coach who's been there forever. Um, just talking about like the program and, you know, what he values within the program. And then you get all the access links to like admissions, um, you know, 
do a virtual tour, things like that. So we kind of took care of like the, the important stuff, you know, what student athletes that are maybe looking at Endicott would need. And then we tried to get resources up there um, about what our current student athletes need working with compliance and things like that. So we kind of took care of the important stuff first and then trickled down towards like, you know, how are we going to honor the seniors, the structure of that? Uh, the first week, I would say, is a lot of meetings, a lot of conversations. Uh, we didn't really do Zoom all that much. We kind of just floated through text and email um, just so people could kind of get situated with home life. Um, but we'll have a call, you know, this Friday, for example, talking about like, what have we done? What have we missed? What do we want to, you know, maybe improve on? Or, you know, what are some things we can add? What are other schools doing? Um, we've we've sort of built in some research within like, you know, every week to have someone look up, you know, what other schools are doing, what do they think is good that they're doing? What do they think is bad that they're doing? Um, we kind of talked off air about messaging. Um, mm -hmm. So we've been trying to keep, you know, our eyes on that and how we're messaging. Um, one thing that I'm super sort of proud of that we did is that, um, you know, obviously everything broke and, and it was pretty heartbreaking for the student athletes and, and really staff members and athletics people in general. We kind of went quiet for like four or five days um, on purpose. We did um, too. Yeah. And I think I, I'd love to hear why you did that after, after I, I talk about it a little bit, but um, we went quiet for like five days and then we sort of met together as a staff and we were like, okay, what do we want the, like, what's our next message that we're going to talk about when we come back? Like, what's the first thing we're going to do? Um, and we were pretty, pretty, you know, in agreement on basically being like, okay, we're going to move forward and be positive and start celebrating and like publicly tell our audience like this is what we're doing we're not in essence like saying it out loud that we're done being sad but we sort of said it without saying it um like hey we're gonna we're gonna positively talk about our student athletes now we're gonna try and be a, a positive voice maybe in your social timelines or or whatever you're reading about us maybe to make your week or day better or whatever um so i really enjoyed the the back and forth of having my ga who um you know, for 23, 24 year old kid, he's got a really good head on his shoulders and he brought a lot of great feedback. Um, and it's like things in the hiring process that you think are there, but you're not entirely sure. And then when you see it happen in real time, you're like really proud of it. Um, and our men's volleyball coach, uh, George, who I would say is like one of the biggest reasons why I'm at Endicott. And maybe that's another story for later down the, the podcast, um, but just talks about how people at Endicott are. And he's a he's an alum. Um, him and coach Sapola having their voices as not only, you know, SID people, but coaches kind of giving us a different perspective. Plus our ADs, you know, they chime in and they approved everything that we were messaging. Um, we kind of went up the ladder and, you know, the, the messaging and the, the conversations were pretty connected, which was awesome. Um, you know, but I was, I was proud of the way we sort of handled that, you know, flip over and how we handled all the messaging while everything was going on. Um, but that's sort of the structure we've had. Um, like I said, we talk daily, we have goals for each other in the group and then make sure like my job is to make sure everyone's just staying on task and then completing the things I need. Um, but we've been pretty good about it. I don't think anyone's had complaints yet that I know of. Um, it's different when you can't talk to people in person. I'm sure it'll come up if we, if we disagree on something, but everything's been pretty good, but curious about, about your end, about um, the thing that I mentioned earlier about, you know, kind of going dark. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll kind of preface what happened when we went dark. Um, we were talking a little bit off air about uh, a little. I had to elevate a little bit more with softball. Um, they were down in Florida. I was still in Bloomington. Um, I was sitting in the office doing my normal job. Uh, I receive a text message that says, don't tweet anything unless it's the final score. So that was the first sign to me that something is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know, a couple hours following, uh, we get the, uh, commissioner, Kevin Warren has said basically no more. Um, I'm still not done being sad, by the way. I thought that was hilarious <laughs> when you said that, uh, we went quiet because I think for us it's, it was cause my God, if like we tweet one thing or we say one thing on Facebook, people could take it a whole different other way if they have an agenda. Um, yep. this was still back when, I'm sure people were, uh, they're not and all these people now that's just crickets, but I'm sure people um, were saying that this is an overreaction. 
uh, everybody had their own opinion. There wasn't much that you can say. This is something that was never been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, this is it was like like the, the thirty for thirty documentary Pony Excess, except to every school and every team. You can't say much after that, and I think no. that that's what it was. And it was an understanding that you can't say anything right now to make it better for anybody else. And and even for it was more like a personal too because this was our job and this is like what we love doing. And there was no consoling that like no fan on earth would make it any better. Um, Especially like what I was saying about having a hundred comments for soccer for a substitution off air. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I think that that was kind of the position that we were coming from. We did continue to keep retweeting updates uh, from the big 10, from the NCAA, from IU, from our president. Um, and we've just now started to kind of come back. We, we finally came back on Instagram because we can't, I mean, we, we don't have any, any pictures to post. Uh, so we're, we're kind of going through facility highlights and things like that. We've gotten permission to, uh, post some, uh, old games and I went through football schedule. So hopefully our fans will be able to see some, uh, old Indiana football games here coming up this weekend. Hopefully fingers crossed, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know how it was on your end. Um, Obviously, you have everything going on. Our our main goal was to really not spread any misinformation. Yeah, that um, too. So we weren't more so concerned about social at that point, more or less the website being like the the hub. And then, to be honest, um, you know, I think everyone reacted differently, and I don't think there's a right or wrong. But I feel like, you know, once we got the thought process from you know, our president and AD and and conferences. And obviously that didn't all didn't happen at once. Like it kind of happened organically in its own ways, but um, our, our SID office, um, we just kind of went door to door to our coaches, to be honest. And we're just like, Hey, you're right. This sucks. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sad. You're sad, but like, let's help each other out as people. Like I remember, um, when the NCAA decision finally came out, um, you know, outside of my office, there's sort of like a, a lounge area, if you will. Um, and there were, there were probably like 12 people out there and just like sitting down. And I'm like, I think we can wait to, you know, retweet or post on the website. We'll eventually meet with our AD, double check what he wants to do. If he has any things we need to add to statements or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, we kind of just checked in on people. I didn't think that we were going to be the first source of uh, information for our student athletes or or coaches at that point, uh, especially with the way everything broke down. Um, the one thing I, I would say, though, is that it's interesting to see how places operate when these type of things happen. Mm-hmm. I think every place is different, but uh, I was really proud of the checks and balances that we had in place from our AD to our, our other external ADs uh, all the way down from, you know, what he was filtering to us from, you know, like the president's council and things like that. I'd never felt like no one was on the same page or not, not on the same page is what I mean. Like, you know, everything was vetted. Everything was double checked. We like our original press release covered so many areas when we waited a little bit longer on purpose to do that. We didn't rush to do anything. And I like, I like how there were, there were multiple people. Normally you hear that phrase, like there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, but I yeah. think, I think for us in the the magnitude of the situation, I thought it was handled extremely well from an organizational standpoint in terms of like, um, to give you some sort of insight, basically like a, every AD had like an area um, and then we all filtered back up to our AD and then things were decided as a group um, with final AD approval and, you know, decision-making on it. But like the press release we put out was, was covered by a lot of people in a lot of areas like that. That was seen by a lot of eyes before it ever went out. Um, which I thought was awesome because we were covering everything. We weren't missing anything. If student athletes or parents had any questions, like it was all there. Um, I, I think from the way we handled it was pretty good. And I, I understand there might be some people listening like, oh yeah, I said everything was great, you know, but like um, it kind of, it kind of was that way. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if it was going to happen that way um, just because of the chaos of it all. But I, I think that, you know, hopefully if our staff looks back on it, they'll, they'll say, you know, 
the end goal, the end result was what we wanted because we did X, Y, and Z. And hopefully, you know, if something like that ever happens again, we have sort of that plan in place and we stick to it again um, because it just filtered down the right way. And I don't know how all the other places dealt with it, um, but it wasn't as chaotic as it probably could have been given the structure of what we did. Yeah. Again, kind of like what I said, this is something obviously has never, never happened before. And I'm sure that anybody who's listening to this knows that. Um, I think that this will be a good teaching cornerstone in the future to have those contingency plans uh, in place. Like what exactly are you going to say? And I think that you kind of like alluded to it earlier about decision-making processes when you're going through a crisis, things like that. There are different kinds of reactions that the the human body will go through. And the first will be kind of an emotional reaction or maybe even a logical reaction. There's going to be, you can see, I think kind of the, the lining here, with how different places reacted, like kind of what you said, you, you felt really good about it. You, you had some sort of, you had communication, you, you allowed yourself to actually feel your, your feelings. Basically you allowed yourself to be sad. You allowed yourself to, to kind of go through the motions, which you should. Um, and then there are some places that kind of, it felt like they got stuck in that feeling a little bit. Uh, and I'm sure that different people can point out different ways. I'm not naming one place or another that uh, how different places reacted or a reflection of, how they kind of coped with it, I guess, is the right way of saying that. So I I don't know. I think that's one way to look at it. I also think it's interesting to see how people are kind of filling the filling the time almost. Um, I know that there are several TikTok challenges. I know that there are several. I know some NAI schools up north are doing, there's like a bot Connect 4. Did you know that? Like you can tweet at a different school and play Connect 4. It's, yeah. I think it's funny with, with those sorts of things. I, it's crazy to see how, how we had uh, <laughs> we we had a school. I'll, I'll leave unnamed, um, but they they had asked us to play Connect Four, and I thought it was still a little bit too early. So I I respectfully, politely declined. I would reconsider the um, the the request um, now probably, um, but it was just a little too early for us. I know we talked a lot off air uh, before we started about like messaging and things like that. We wanted to try and stay pretty consistent um, until we, we uh, dropped that, that big Twitter thread and, and Instagram message, um, which, you know, was very well received by our fan base, which was awesome. Um, to your point, I, I sort of wrote it passionately um, in my own feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't sure to be honest with you, if like our, as I said, our working group, right, our GA, our two coaches, and then our AD um, was going to approve it. Um, and it actually got approved uh, with a few tweaks, which was good. Um, but I had wrote, I had written that in a, in a passionate state. Um, and I think, you know, in talking about your messaging, about where you work and how, you know, involved the thought process is and on that, um, I think, you know, you've seen some companies, some schools, like, do you wonder where the check and balance is, right? Like mm-hmm. if someone's just tweeting off, like, this is how I feel about what's going on. Like, what is the check and balance? So hopefully maybe, you know, some people listening will, you know, reconsider how that messaging works just on an overall social plan. Like, you know, not just what's going on right now in our last couple of weeks. Um, but I was really like intrigued when you brought that up off air, like how that works. Cause I have to imagine, you know, it's a pretty, pretty strict guideline or pretty um, mm-hmm. exact type of thing that you have to message at Indiana versus maybe some other places. Yeah. It's, um, and again, I can see as you were talking about how your fan base kind of reacted. I can also see that uh, the different kind of like psycho demographics of certain fans are, especially mm-hmm. how they're going to react. I think that um, certain places, I can't even think of all the time, man, maybe Midwestern places might be a little more, um, have some sort of stillness in them on the Great Plains, but as where you might get to Florida, it might be X, Y, and Z. You, you never know how they're going to react. Um, yes, it's very, very strict. Uh, we have to, it kind of goes hand in hand with how we have to literally think about and everything when we put it out there, um, which is a good exercise and not just being, I, I know I was mentioning that I was just, Last year, I was just using whatever the hell gif I could find when I when I when I typed in a certain word, um, and now I have to physically think about like 
exactly what I want to say and what I'm trying to say and what we're trying to say and how that will be conveyed. Does this reflect what our team is trying to say? Does this reflect what our tone is? Um, even in music selection, Sean, like I, I played. I can see that completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll give you a little story. When I, I kind of mentioned I was at fall camp, I was at fall camp every single day for football. I got that pretty close with that team and, and like I've never shamelessly i've never been so emotionally invested in a team in my life than indiana <laughs> football last year but um i played shout at the devil uh on our story on our instagram story coach allen is a hugely devout christian man <laughs> <laughs> so i learned my lesson there and it, those are the types of things that you have to think about and we have to think about um at a, even like a micro level you have to think about everything through and you can't just half-ass put something together especially with things like this like i I don't know i think you did it the right way i think a lot of places did it the right way it was interesting to see how people are responding and it's interesting to see how people are getting through this i can't wait till sports comes back i can't wait because (laughs) this sucks you know what i was doing out in the garage the other day my parents have sling tv i pulled up the longhorn network i watched rice versus texas football from like eight years ago, just to fill the void. That's how. That's the. That's the length it's come to. So. My my funniest uh, story was uh, one of our work study students, a freshman actually. Um, she uh, she started writing features for us. Really, really great person. Uh, she's come out of her shell a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, she you know meets meets a guy, starts dating them. They're like very happy. Blah 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 you know, all that college stuff. Exactly. Um, but the, the, my favorite part of that, and, uh, so it, this makes sense in the long run. Okay. So we get a, we get a Twitter notification and it's, you know, her Twitter account and she tweets at like EC gulls a lot. Um, and her, her boyfriend was so bored because there's no sports. He created our baseball team in MLB, the show 2020 with like alternate jerseys and like, I was pumped. I was like, I needed that today because there's no sports, <laughs> but like the, the kid created like his entire, I, like he created the team and mm-hmm. like put him in the game and is like playing a franchise mode <laughs> with them because there's like, there's no sports. There's nothing. Like, what do you, what do you do? People are watching like marble racing. on. I YouTube. was going to bring that up. You beat me to it. <laughs> I don't know why everybody's laughing at that because I watched that and I think it's therapeutic a little bit. Everyone that I've talked to, I've only watched like 30 seconds of it. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Everyone who's brought it up to me like lives for it. Yeah. They well, I, I made my fiance watch it one time. They're in there. I hate how I know this because I'm subscribed, but <laughs> like they're doing like a Grand Prix type of thing and they've got like racetrack stuff and it's like 14 meters long. There's like twists and turns kind of like formula one stuff. And my, my fiance and I were just kind of laying in bed watching it. And she goes, so who's winning? I was like, Oh, I don't think anybody's winning. This is a qualifier video. And I caught myself. (laughs) I was like, wait a second. Like what just happened? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what just came out of my mouth? I've been watching uh... them. I've been watching like people replay NC NCAA 14 football dynasties. Yes, like those are, yeah, those are starting to pop up a little bit too. And I'm, I'm enjoying watching those. I mean, that kind of brings me back to like, um, like younger years when like our friends, we would all do like um, our own dynasties in those games and like play in the same campaign. Um, and then you'd like watch your buddy, like play his like couple of games and you'd have fun with it. Um, but I thought it was interesting that uh, talking back, it just made me think of it earlier um, about like our transition from stack crew to live stats and things like that. Um, have you seen the the professional like NASCAR racers, like doing their huge setups and some of the guys are really bad at it. I don't know if you've seen those videos. Like no, I think not yet. someone brought it up. I can't remember if it was like Jimmy Johnson or something, but they have like these massive, like four screen rigs and it basically looks like they're in a, in a NASCAR like car. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Basically- they've been racing and some of the drivers are awful at it. Like, I mean, awful at it. And it's like some of the top tier guys, it makes zero sense at all. But from a video game standpoint, they like can't play like they stink. Yeah. I think I've have been seeing that. I was kind of interested to learn more about that a little bit. I can't, I see like rec videos. I see like NASCAR on Fox retweet. They're like, 
so-and-so just made it through this huge crash i'm like it's a video game this is like it would be much more interesting <laughs> if somebody's life was actually at stake you know but uh, i didn't know they were doing that yeah <laughs> that'd be kind of yeah that'd be kind of kind of interesting game to play um yeah so again kind of we've been talking i don't know maybe 20 20 minutes about this kind of weird world we're, we're, we're in right now. And we might not even, we're kind of staring down the barrel of not even having convention, but I want to talk about last convention before we move on to our, 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 uh, our uh, next set of questions. Uh, okay. Rising star awards, sir. Uh, you, you thought I'd forget about that. I, I remember. <laughs> so what was that like for you? Um, again, spare no detail for us. Can tell us a little bit about that so we can end on a high note. Yeah, um, well, I, I appreciate you bringing it up. I thought maybe you would forget, which would, you know, that's kind of, if Thank you get you, to know me, I'm not, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not really into like public uh, things like that. Um, I think if you looked at my social media, I, I'm not a regular poster of myself. Um, I think that's just how I've always been. But um, to sort of give some insight into that, uh, there were a lot of thank yous. Uh, a lot of people reached out, which was in some ways super overwhelming um because you you obviously have pride in your work and what you're doing or at least you want to um but everyone who reached out i was super thankful for but uh it was just tough because i didn't know if i was you know answering them properly or coming across if i was grateful enough and I, i tried to be as best as i could um there were a lot of people who had impact on on that award. So, you know, like trying to properly thank them on my own, maybe before they even got to me was, was challenging in some ways. Um, and I know that sounds like super first world problems at the (laughs) given moment, but, um, but just taking it back to that. And then, you know, like being, being up on stage was fun. I think it was kind of light. I was definitely a little bit nervous at first. Um, you know, especially with the table that I had, I, I can't begin to describe how many jokes were made at my expense at that table. So, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, but, um, you know, going up on stage, you just want to like go up there and reflect a certain part of yourself because it's not a, a big window for people maybe that don't know you to get to know you. And if that's your first interaction with them, um, you know, I didn't want to come across a certain way or, or, or be viewed a certain way um, because it's just tough to make a first impression and then kind of take that first impression away from you from from people sometimes. Um, so I was a little bit worried about that. Um, but the, the line of questioning was really fun and engaging. And I mean, there was a, a, a super crazy talented group up there that I was very humbled to be a part of. Um, you know, that, that week was kind of weird. I, I didn't think, you know, talking to Chelsea and, uh, live about it a little bit. They, they kind of warned me on some things that would happen during the week and, you know, people just randomly saying, Hey, rising star all the time was like, a little much after a while it was like overwhelming because you yeah, just want to like yeah you just want to go into a conversation and give somebody a hug and ask them how they've been and that sort of thing um but you know people had uh their fun and you know you know i was <laughs> i was made fun of a little bit which was good um because i think people you know tried to have fun with it at my expense a little bit but um yeah it was just like a, a long week you know you tried to pace yourself in in the conversations and you know, like I said, make sure you're trying to say the right things and, and come across the, the right way, um, because those type of things don't happen without a lot of people uh, helping you in a, in a variety of ways and areas. Um, and, you know, you want to you want to just be be the right person at the right time and not let it get to your head. Um, you know, it was really enjoyable, like just even meeting new people, it opened up the the door for, for people that maybe I necessarily wouldn't have been able to talk to or, or wouldn't have had the chance to, uh, which was great. And, and Cosida just did like such a great job of, you know, the way they publicized it and, and how they, they, they treated you when, when you won the award and, and how the, the flow of, um, you know, like what they needed from you and the expectations and, and that sort of thing. Uh, that group is, um, they, they, I feel like, you know, obviously everyone can have their, their disagreements, but I feel like for the most part, they do things the right way. Um, and I got to see a, a very, very different side of that aspect uh, that week. Um, and I just, you know, can't say thank you enough to, to that group and, and how they, they led things and, and did things. Um, and in a lot of ways, people don't get to see or never will. And I think that's why it's sort of unfair, some of, you know, opinions on things, um, because you don't get to see the behind the scenes. I 
I, there were so many things that I like learned even through like winning the award that I didn't know that people on staff were doing. Um, so it's, it was pretty enlightening, but, uh, overall it was a really fun, really fun week. Um, and you know, just super, super thankful for it and how that all went. Well, this will kind of segue into my next set of questions that you've already heard. Um, but I would like to ask you some fun questions. I usually like to ask everybody. So, um, you may have already answered some of these in a certain way. You can, uh, abridge them if you want, as we're bumping up against time, but, uh, what's your favorite memory in your professional tenure? Maybe even, uh, why do you love Endicott? Um, favorite memory is a tough one. Um, Whew, that's a tough one. Uh, I'll start with Endicott first. So I kind of alluded to uh, uh, George Chapel, our, our men's volleyball head coach. Um, when I was interviewing for the job, I, I really wanted the job, to be honest. Um, so on a whim, on a Friday of all days at like four o'clock, mind you, George, I think his wife is expecting baby number two at this time in the timeline, I think. Uh, so George picks up. I just blindly call him on a Friday. And no joke, it was like maybe like 4 or 4. I remember it being after 4, like a little bit after 4. And he talked to me on the phone for like an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And this is a guy who bleeds blue and green. He's an Endicott alum. He's going to, you know, get his master's from Endicott. Um, and we just talked about the job and, and their expectations and what the environment was like and, and that sort of thing. Um, and when I got off the phone call, I was like, if I don't get this job, I'm going to be a miserable person. Like, this is where I want to work. Um, because if people are like him, then it's going to be a great environment. And then you go through the interview process and it was exactly what I thought it was. Everyone was like George in some sort of regard. Um, it's a super tight knit family. Like our coaches and assistant coaches hang out a lot outside of work. Mm. Um, the, the culture is great. Like it's, it's really tight knit. Um, and that's what I love about it. Um, I think favorite memory is tough. Um, Cause there's so many good ones. You think about the small memories, like uh, those relationships with coaches uh, getting those random emails, like um, from coaches still at Wheaton and I haven't worked there in almost five years now. Right. It's I'm in year five at Endicott and like they still check in our women's basketball coach. Who's now at a division one school. We talk almost daily um, baseball coach at, at Wheaton's great guy, uh, you know, men's basketball coach, former AD there. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's one, one specific memory. Um, I think my most recent memory, um, I would say would be men's volleyball last year. Um, and speaking about George is like, they were, they were up on SUNY New Paltz who ended up, uh, beating us and then going on to win the national championship. Um, we were up very late in the fifth set, um, and, and unfortunately didn't win, um, and I just remember having those conversations after that loss with, with George and like how meaningful that was in the NCAA interview, like him talking about his student athletes and how much he cares about them. And like, to me, that made me realize like I had definitely picked the right place to work um, again uh, through him. Um, you know, there's been so many fun memories. We in women's track and field, like promoting a national champion in Ashante Little, like arguably top three best student athlete I've ever covered. Um, she was incredible. Uh, that, that run that she had her senior year where she was basically like the number one or number two seed in like four events, um, on her own, she virtually tried to win the national championship by herself and a couple of relays and high jump performers. But like the, like seeing someone athletically try and perform at the top level and try and win or place in the top three in like four events was insane to me. Um, so that was a really cool memory. Um, but yeah, I think it's all those little memories, really like all those interactions with coaches and student athletes that are more than like one specific memory. Well, that's cool, man. Um, what, what's, uh, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Um, I wish I could get better at graphic design, but I just flat out stink at it. Um, my brain doesn't compute that way. It just doesn't, I can't, I've tried like, uh, George is way better at a graphic design, um, you know, skill set than I am. And he's self-taught men's volleyball coach slash assistant SID. Um, I've done some stuff with motion graphics and things like that. But, um, like if I could, if I could replace a skill set with another one, I think it might be that, um, just because my brain, like I can't, 
I don't know. It just doesn't work that way. Um, that would be pretty cool. Um, I've been able to do the other stuff. Like I'll still broadcast from time to time uh, for e-seagulls and, and do things like that. But that'd probably be the one. Okay, cool. Um, what's a uh, traits or characteristics do you think make a good SID? Um, I think first off, uh, a good SID should be a good listener. I think um, SIDs who are good listeners and are are able to not react but sort of think then react. Um, that's a huge skill set. I think you can learn um, you can learn how to do stats eventually. It comes more natural to others, uh, maybe than others. Um, you can learn how to maybe be graphic design, hopefully better than me. Um, you can <laughs> learn, you can learn how to write to an extent. Um, but I think in, in this day and age with so many things going on in, in terms of social and, um, you know, maintaining the website and maybe trying to have more in an impact of your role at the college, being able to listen, um, and, and sort of digest everything and then have a good plan of attack is probably a, a skill set that everyone could have and try and work on. Um, I think all the, the other stuff is teachable. Um, but we're, we're fortunate enough in a role where we get a lot of information thrown at us. Some of it's very important. Some of it's very trivial, um, that we don't need to worry about. Um, but I think if you can sort of access listening skills and, and figure out what's important, I think that that sets you up, um, for the better in a lot of other areas. Uh, outside of work, outside of the office, what do you do to have fun? So definitely trying to get back into running. You know, we've talked about running before, um, off air quite a bit, um, decided not to run in college, um, sort of have battled injuries in and out, um, since graduating and things like that. So I've been trying to get back, uh, into that. I'll probably go for a run after we pop off the call at some point, even though it's late <laughs> on my time, I, I rather run at night than in the morning. That's just how I've always been. Oh, why is um, that? um, I've all, so it's, it's weird. It's two things. So I run better at night. I feel cause I'm more of a night owl. I'm more of a okay. wake person. And then I actually love running in the cold versus the heat. I think my body. Okay. So I don't know how you feel, but I feel like my body adapts better to running in the cold than it ever has in the heat. I always like overheat or like, I just can't deal with it as much as maybe others, but I don't know. No, uh, I, I, I'm like, I consider myself to be a pretty tough runner, a pretty tough athlete, a pretty tough workout guy, because I've, I've walked around with two broken legs for months Ooh. as a cross country athlete. Um, but I am the biggest baby in the heat. Uh, <laughs> I'm right I, there with you. I'm not, I, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I get heat waves. Like I'll, I'll be running in this, like even in high school, we'd be running at the state park over there. And, uh, uh, I would get heat wave after heat wave. I'm like, man, this sucks. Like, that's why I, I go, like I wake up really early. Like if I'm back in now, I struggle. But like if yeah. I'm back in Bloomington, my alarm's off at six o'clock. I'm up and I'm going to the gym. Like even in the cold, like December, January, like I'm scraping off my car in the dark. Like I don't know why. I just, I'm just like I just guess that's how I'm wired too. So each their own, I guess. Yeah, um, I was gonna say other other answer would be uh, friends, um, not the show. Um, I'm. Uh... Just that I like being checked in with my friends and, and really care about uh, those people. Uh, those people, like I have a lot of, of friends who are are really close more as family than anything. Um, there's there's certainly, you know, two groups of SID friends that I have that that are huge. Um, one that's more regionally based SIDs um, on, on my area. Uh, we talk daily. Our, our group chat is you know, to the point where sometimes I have to delete it because it takes up the space in my phone <laughs> if I don't delete it after a while. Um, but it's a, it's a great group. And then I obviously have a couple of best friends, uh, been fortunate enough to um, be the best man in, in two weddings and really care about those two people and a handful of others. So um, that's kind of what I focus my time on. I'll obviously do the simple stuff like play video games and, and watch movies and things like that. But uh, those are probably two main areas for me for that that question. Uh, next time somebody's in the Beverly, maybe Edincott area, what's the your restaurant or bar recommendation? All right. So if you're a burger person, A and B burger is legit. Um, tacos place, uh, La Victoria is great. And then we have, uh, we have this new place. It's called flip the bird. Um, oh, and it's a, it's a, it's a chicken place. Um, and they make some really good stuff. They have one 
they have one buffalo chicken sandwich that like they basically make you wear gloves to eat it because it's that hot. Like if you if you eat it, if you're like eating it with not with no gloves on and like touch your face or your skin, it's basically Melting. like game over. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. Um so I didn't know that the first time I came in and this this poor guy probably thought I was a jerk because I kept looking over to see why he had gloves on eating the sandwich and then I looked at the board and finally figured it out. Um, and after like the third time of looking over, he kind of like gave me a look like, what is wrong with you? But I was like, I was like, why is this guy eating a sandwich with gloves? Like, I don't get it. And this is, this is months ago. This is not like the last three weeks or anything uh-huh. like that. Like preface, like this is like very early fall, like maybe third week of the semester type deal. Um, so I kind of figured it out, but they, everything is homemade at that place. Um, they don't do they don't do DoorDash or any of that stuff. Like they make you come to the the kitchen or the the restaurant and get it. Um, but they have like all your all your sides like that you would want like at a barbecue and things like that. It's just it's really good. And I don't know if there's I think it's just basically basically in Beverly. I don't I don't know if there's another one um, anywhere in this region. So it's pretty right. good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, once you once you said buffalo chicken sandwich, you you had me hooked. Um, <laughs> If anybody wanted to reach out with you, wanted to have any questions for you, I mean, what would be the best way to do it? Um, so obviously I think people gravitate towards Twitter, which is, which is cool. Um, trying to remember if it's my full name or my PS4 username. No, it's my, it's my full name here. Uh, so it's just my first name uh, and then underscore last name, the first letter each um, of each uh, name, basically uppercase. Um if you see a Bitmoji with a beard and glasses, you've gone to the right place in Fenway Park in the background. Um, also good via email. Um, so that's on the EC Gulls website too. Um, but happy to happy to talk with anybody who has any questions about what you and I talked about or just anything in general, always willing to help. I think um, maybe you can attest to this too, but the cool thing about our profession is that, you know, at least when I was starting off, um, and even now, you know, it's maybe higher level questions and, and thought processes, but any SID I ever reached out to, I always got an answer back and it was always super helpful. Uh, never surface level stuff. Um, it could be as simple as I don't know how to fix uh, a block assist in a volleyball stat crew thing, or, you know, how, why is this run an earned run versus an unearned run? Or, you know, you know, other things like, what do you do in this situation when a coach is you know, A, B, or C or whatever. Um, so happy to help. I think, you know, everyone in our profession kind of passes the torch down and is willing to help. So, um, you know, got to make sure we keep doing that if people have done that for us. Yeah, there are no dumb questions. I think nope. everybody's afraid to ask, ask that because I, I struggle with the earn and unearned it now. After years, I don't know how many, <laughs> how many, how old am I? 24. So five years of doing this, I finally figured out what earn and unearned is like without any help. <laughs> so it takes time too so yeah that's one of my favorite parts as well well uh sean thanks very much for coming on you're almost 100 episodes almost you're about what, <laughs> 91 episodes off or 91 episodes after your first one so thank you very much for coming back on man i appreciate thank you for it. having me as always all right